Eagle looking great. Here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Sci-Fi Wise Guys podcast. My name is Anthony. My name is Chris. Hey, my name is Kel. Hello, Hello Kel. Kel. Hey, how's it going, guys? How y'all? Fantastic. Thanks for having me on. I guess you're welcome. Yeah, sure. I'm glad you guys are having fun. Uh, just for the listeners, we'll just go ahead and get a little bit of housekeeping out of the way. Uh, I had to go to the dentist today, so the left side of my face is numb. Uh-huh. So if I slur words, it's not because I'm like Anthony with a slight drinking problem. Wow, but, really? Uh, but I did go ahead Under and just make bus. a pack of mules. So I'll have an excuse for when uh, when it does happen. I'll have you know, I don't. Slurring. I do not have a drinking problem. I said small. I don't have a small <laughs> one either. <laughs> wow. Well, welcome, Kel, to the podcast. Thanks. Don't worry. We'll start berating you soon. Yeah. Um, you you will be accepted. Uh, there will be some hazing. Oh, fair enough. Bring it on. Let's do it. Yes. Excited. That's what we do. Here on the Sci-Fi Wise Guys podcast, we watch and review straight to stream, usually straight to stream, science fiction and science fiction adjacent movies, television shows, web shorts, distribute originals, uh, YouTube videos. Yeah, I would say this one was not necessarily direct to stream uh, for sure. And also ended up being difficult to stream, if anything. (laughs) Yes, it was. Why don't you tell the people, Kel or Chris, either one of you, tell the people why we have a guest today. I guess I can do that. So Kel and I, many, many moons ago, uh, I have a joke about moons here in my notes, actually, decided that we would make a, a podcast kind of going over what we enjoyed, what we uh, love about Stargate, the franchise, uh, starting with Stargate SG-1. And so we came up with the, the, the podcast name, Podcast SG Fun. And we should be releasing our first episode next week. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited for that. Our first episode. I I feel like we should just go ahead and lean into it, which was recorded when uh, I believe at the end of 2019. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, guys, this one's been sitting on the burner for a little bit. It might be a little overcooked, as a matter of fact. But I mean, I think uh, you know it's finally ready for prime time. We might as well get it out there. There's no reason to keep the people from it anymore. I think there's a significant difference in audio quality because my microphone has changed like three times since then. And uh, my my room was situated differently. Yeah. But, uh, no. Yeah. Same. It's going to be all over the place. The The first, gosh, 11 episodes are actually basically already done for the most part, have been done for some time. But I think it's, uh, it's it, like I said, it's finally time to let this star shine. Oh, star jokes. Moon jokes. <laughs> Oh, man. Trust me. We're barely scratching the surface. (laughs) If you're already having a hard time. I'll make it through. Don't worry. All right. All right. Fair enough. I actually got a a sneak preview of Podcast SG Fun. It was a year, maybe two years ago, I think. a year ago, yeah. When you were first kind of doing it all. I got to guest edit a little bit just to kind of check it out. So uh, I've had a sneak preview, and I think... uh, I think the people are going to enjoy it. Well, they better. If they enjoy us, if they enjoy Chris, which... <laughs> yeah, no, it's know. hard enough. If they if they can already sit through this podcast, I mean... I mean, I'm the know, most... It, the other one should be fairly bearable, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the other one's got Stargate, so... I'm the most exactly. charming of the three it's of us. It's nothing but so. Stargate. You're the most charming of the three of us? Is that what you definitely, said, Chris? Definitely. From your, <laughs> from your numbed up corner that's of the that's uh, stream my mom, here? My mom tells me that I'm the... The most charming, so that's all that matters. I'll have you know that your mom is your mom has never said that about you. 
I know because I've met your mother. Uh, let's get back All to right. the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you want to get back we, to the we podcast? We keep talking about my mom for sure. We probably will. You want to let the people know what we watched if they haven't figured it out already? We make exceptions often for our podcast. In fact, our, we've talked. I think I talked about our mission statement last week. Originally, we started out with just straight to stream B movies that are science fiction and science fiction adjacent. That turned into also including television shows. Then that included fan films. Then it included YouTube YouTube originals. And then we expanded a little further to any movie that had a release either A, in a country in which we couldn't watch it, or B, it wasn't released at a time in which we could watch it. And now I guess C is going to be just because we wanted to review this movie. So yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I think at this point, technically the rules are just out the window, yeah. right? There, there are no rules. You guys can just watch whatever movie you want to watch. <laughs> it is your podcast. It is. It is Chris's podcast. I'm still like, you, you mentioned that we expanded to television shows. That's kind of brushing past Anthony wanting to start a charmed podcast <laughs> and convincing you to watch the first episode. I, I would listen to that. And then it never coming to fruition. <laughs> and now Charmed is literally canceled. Uh, yeah. So we're all, we're, it's too late. It's too, too late, late, Chris. But we watched the 1994 science fiction adventure film directed and co-written by Roland Emmerich, Stargate. Emmerich joint. Yes. Stargate sitting on IMDb. Go ahead and get some of the facts out of the way. Oh, this is the show. Why, does it, why did it pull up the show when I specifically Googled the movie? <laughs> It does that. What it's sitting at a 7.0 out of Thank 10 you. on IMDb with about 190,000 ratings. Fair. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. I think that's a fair, that's a, that's a fair, uh, well, what do you, you call it? Uh, if you think that's a fair rating, it's about to get worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a median score of seven on IMDb, a seven garnering 31.2% of the votes, uh, and then 22.4% at an eight and 15.8% at a six. So pretty solid seven. Over on our least favorite uh, aggregate website, Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 53% rotten on the tomato meter with yeah. a 73% audience score with a, over 100,000 ratings. Yeah. And who, cause who, who cares? Who cares about the, the critic score? <laughs> Every independent filmmaker cares yes. about the Rotten Tomatoes Unfortunately. score. <laughs> Unfortunately. It's all about the audience, baby. It's what the audience wants. Come on. At the end of the day, I'm looking at that 73%. That's not what they put on the trailer when they're showing <laughs> it. Unfortunately, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, the trailers don't go for that. Going over to Metacritic, 42 Metascore, which Metacritic is almost always lower. Um, so that's that's kind of be to be expected. Metacritic's rough, man. It's rough out there in Metacritic for a movie. The Metacritic user score is seven point five. All right, I think that's the highest so far. It's actually generally favorable favorable yeah. reviews. If we click on that, they got seventy five positive, twenty four mixed, and three negative. I'm throwing you a curveball. I'm adding a new mm. aggregate website. Okay, mm. over on Letterboxd. 3.1 out of 5. What is uh, this letterbox you speak of? Where where who is this? It, what is are, this is These are fans. So this is let, uh, letterboxd.com 3.1 out of 5 stars. So it's it's still sitting at that was that 6.2 out of 10, just a little bit lower. Don't read the reviews, they'll just make you upset. But letterbox d 
is a or letterboxed is a website that pulls data from imdb or tmdb uh, and allows people to give in-depth reviews groups of movies Uh, it's like imdb if imdb was new and good we do have a what is it a profile yeah. On on Letterbox, which you can follow and see what we've watched, what we've liked, uh, that type of thing. So it's it's like IMDb, but with a little bit more social features and a just a much better, less ad ridden interface. Also, ninety one percent of Google users like this movie. Go ahead and get that average up there. I have a feeling I know the answer to this to basically every question I'm going to ask today because I have two people on the podcast that are starting a Stargate podcast. <laughs> But uh, Cal, you're the guest. You're the the special co-host of the day. Why don't you give us your first impressions, thoughts, and opinions on 1994's Stargate? I've watched it a, a few times now, and uh, it, it's actually been a couple of years since I watched the movie. So picking it up recently again was nice. It was still pretty fresh in my mind for the most part. You know, I, I, I know the storyline obviously by now. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> But I think the story is fun. The story holds up. The cast is spectacular. It's a lot of fun. has a lot of cool action. There's a lot of cool sci-fi elements. The special effects do not hold up in any way, shape, or form at all whatsoever. That being my big, big gripe would just be that special effects, honestly, if I'm going to give it uh, any criticism just off jump. But uh, no, I think it's a really fun, it's a fresh idea, I think, as far as science fiction interplanetary travel goes for its time. In 1994, it was a really cool idea. It was something different. I loved it. I'm a fan, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Chris, you want to follow that up? So just going to give a little bit of a background here. We might have, we did it already for Stargate Origins, the Catherine Langford. We don't have to talk about that. Bit. Well, for anyone who wasn't there or hasn't listened to that episode, listen to it. But so Roland Emmerich is a famous director, screenwriter, producer. He's he's done a lot of big budget action movies like The Blockbusters. I'll just go ahead and read a snippet of his filmography. From 1992 to 2000, Universal Soldier, Stargate, Independence Day, Godzilla, The Patriot, right? Some bangers. Like eight solid years of hits. And then he did 10,000 BC in 2012, White House Down. You know, eh, something's good, something's bad. Stargate the movie is a movie that I did not see in theaters. I remember the I remember my dad renting it from the military base that we lived right next to. They had a they had a little shopette. I think that's what they called it. It was essentially a convenience store without gas pumps, but they had movies. You could rent movies for a dollar. And this was 1994, 1995, whenever we actually got to watch it. And my dad was like, "Oh, Stargate the movie. That's cool. Oh, look, Stargate the video game on Super Nintendo. My son will like that." I didn't. It's impossibly <laughs> difficult. It's not fun. It's very hard. And your your gun has infinite ammo, but it overheats if you shoot it for more than like three seconds. Anyways, I'm getting off topic. I think out of all of his movies, because like from what I understand, like I said, he he co he co wrote this. I don't know who the other screenwriter is. I'm gonna look real quick. Dean Devlin. I don't know who that is, but he's done Eight Legged Freaks, Independence Day, Universal. Okay, I, I think he's just like Roland Emmerich's like collab. Yeah. yeah. In terms of originality, I think this movie does a lot of things really well. It's quite original. Usually when we have like big spacefaring planetary travel movies or shows, there's almost always spaceships involved where the protagonists 
the only way they get to the other planet is due to Starship, right? Yeah, it's space travel of some form in a vessel. Yeah, I think this is the first movie I ever saw that I can remember that not being the case. I mean, there's other times where, you know, humans getting abducted, right, whatever, getting sent into a different dimension, whatever. I mean, but this is the first movie I can recall that being the case. I really enjoy the cast. If you listen to the first episode of Podcast SG Fun, whenever that comes out, find us on Twitter at, at Podcast SG Fun and all your favorite podcasting platforms. Kel and I go into deep, deep discussion over the different portrayals of the characters. And this movie is, it's, it's so funny that in 2022, if Stargate ever got remade or rebooted, like, I don't think you can do a gritty reboot of this movie because it's already a gritty movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Like. Yeah, there, yeah Stargate SG-1 is the is the lighthearted, campy yeah. <laughs> TV version. No, the, the movie was pretty rough. Yeah, like, without giving the goat away, spoilers in 321, one of the main characters' sons unfortunately killed himself with their gun. Like, <laughs> and then when we meet him for the first time, He's sitting in that room holding the gun. <laughs> I don't recall if they mentioned that it was his gun. They do. That, uh, in the they, movie? I, I'm pretty sure. I know they mentioned it in SG-1. I could have swore it's so it's, is it not uh, when they're the, the two airmen are walking back outside? And uh, because this is one of my favorite parts in the whole movie, by the way, because the dude's just like, that guy's a mess. What's, what's his deal? And the other guy's just like, his kid died. Yeah. yeah, accidentally shot himself. Maybe. Uh, you might be right, Anthony. I don't re- exactly recall. Um, and I'm not yeah, going to watch I, it again just to confirm that. But Oh, I'm, I'm watching uh, it right now. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, re- I really enjoyed this movie for a lot of reasons. Not only the acting. I'll disagree a little bit with the effects, Kel. I think the only thing that really, truly suffers is, in fact, the uh, ring evader or whatever that thing's called. And it might just be the copy that I watched um, which I believe Anthony and I watched the extended cut. Yeah, I think I ended up with mm. a slightly different version than you guys. But it, what did you say, Anthony? There's only like eight minutes difference in footage. Yeah, only only eight minutes. But the credits started like the the length of the film was what, two hours, nine minutes. And the credits started like two hours, two minutes. So who knows how much of that's actually extra footage. OK, I think most of it's the beginning. How about you, Anthony? So I, I rewatched that scene, Kel, just now. Okay, so okay, so does he say... He just says, oh, his kid shot himself. That's it. That's it? Okay, fair enough. Yeah, says it on accident. But he is holding a service weapon. Like, it looks like a military-issue handgun. So I could see where you could draw that. It would be presumed that it would have mm-hmm. been his own gun because the nine-year-old would not have yet owned his own gun, presumably. They're not in Texas? And anyways. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> Colorado. They're in Colorado. Come on, man. Oh, wait, that's close. That's close. <laughs> <laughs> Colorado is a cl- as close as you get to the good version of libertarianism. Anyways, <laughs> I like this film. It is a fun film. The effects, it's 1994, okay? It is 1994, yeah. This was almost 30 years ago. The, wow, really? Oh, yeah. She's yeah. thanks, Kel. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> there were some weird things in this movie, but overall, it's really, really fun. You get ancient Egypt, you get aliens, you get alien possession, you get the kind of Star Trekian trying to understand and relate to a local people when you have no frame of reference, or well, they had some frame of reference, but they had to find that. So there's some of the Star Trekian stuff in it. Uh, You're right, Chris, it's sci-fi and they fight, they kind of fight an alien force. I guess there's really just the one alien in this one, but they fight an alien force. There's no spaceships. 
that take them anywhere. It's all like it's like the sci-fi is a gradual thing, right? It starts off as a little bit of a mystery. Like the audience knows that there's a Stargate because we saw the beginning of the film and we saw the poster, right? And what else? The name of the movie at all. But the characters like a slow revelation of just how sci-fi is this. Mm -hmm. That being said, that slow revelation becomes a downpour of exposition inside of some cave yeah. Uh, as Daniel Jackson's like, oh, I figured everything out, as he's going to do for 11 seasons of television uh, <laughs> shortly, where he's just like, oh, yep, I found some markings on a wall. This is the bad guy who we haven't even seen yet. Like, the bad guy doesn't show up, at least in the extended cut, and maybe the pacing's different in the, uh, in the theatrical, but Ra doesn't show up and start killing Marines or capturing soldiers or airmen or whatever they are until Daniel Jackson talks about who he is. Like, it's this weird, like, oh, hey, there's a bad guy, by the way. And then the bad guy yeah. is immediately there. He's literally telling the the expositional backstory of Ra as Ra is preparing to land on the planet. Right. So as fun as the story is, I like the effects for what they are. I mean, it's 1994. I mean, Star Trek Generations also came out in 1994. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think they could have had better effects. Actually, if I recall correctly, 1994 was a banner year for movies in general. I just feel like as a film, the pacing is a bit off in this. Okay, yeah. Just I just want to hit you guys with this. The 1994 list, we're looking at Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, Leon, The Lion King, True Lies, Speed, Natural Born Killers, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, Crow, Little Women. Come on. That... That was a lineup, and Stargate had to compete? Oh, you forgot Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Probably on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Really, I mean, it's a fantastic year for movies, but I didn't hear a lot of sci-fi, and I didn't hear a lot of big special effects budgets. I think The Mask won special effects that year, which, fine, fair. I, I just, I feel like the movie has some pacing issues. Oh, 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 Street Fighter the movie. Okay. 1994, great, great year for movie. Banner year for movies. Can we all agree? Uh, all right. It's all right. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, The Shadow, Time Cop. Wasn't The Crow in there? Yeah. Highlander, Highlander 3, Highlander Mary three. Shelley's Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, that we was definitely at the one. highlight. Yeah, I guess that might be all it. Right. Oh, Dragon Ball Z, Defeat the Super Warrior. Chris. Sorry. Overall, I feel like it's a fun film that is about 25 minutes too long. I feel like there's an edit of this film that is a bit shorter, has a better pace, and doesn't just dump a bunch of exposition right at the beginning of the third act to then mm. in- introduce a villain in the third act. There's just something off there. And it was really weird to have the movie start, and there's the Stargate theme song, which we all know and love. Just fantastic music. And it says Stargate, and the A isn't stylized, and it just doesn't look right. It looks like a cheap <laughs> knockoff of what comes after. Kurt Russell's haircut is atrocious. Which one? Yes. Okay. The, the high top. Right. Correct answer. Mostly, correct but answer. You mean his, his guile impression? <laughs> yeah, his guile impression. I didn't realize this was going to be Street Fighter crossover. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Chevron guy is missing. He's got a couple of civilian scientists instead of the Chevron guy. But what do we gain? All right, Anthony, what do we gain? We got the guy from Spin City. We did get the guy from He's Spin there. City. He's there. We got French Stewart. Can you, how do you get mad at French Stewart? I wasn't mad about what we gained. I was upset about what we lost. We got Digimon Hansu. Can we point out that Daniel Jackson figures out that the symbols are constellations? He tells them all, hey, they're constellations. 
And then they immediately go to the control room and there are star maps all over the walls. Well, I mean, it would make sense that if it's an alien device, it would make sure. sense that they would perhaps be like, hmm, I wonder where it's from. I mean, good question. I mean, they literally, they have a big thing in the middle of the room that can track you through the stars. And they've been staring at star maps. They literally already knew it was... Yeah, yeah. They knew it they was... They already knew to, it was constellations, though. But they, they stared at star maps for two years and stared at those symbols, and no one was like, well, maybe they're constellations of stars. No, they, they already knew they were constellations. No, they didn't. No, he did says they? it. No, they did. They totally did. They, they knew they were constellations. Daniel figure, figures it out. It took them two years to figure it out. It only took Daniel 14 days. Daniel figures it mm-hmm. out. Once he figures no. it out and tells them it's constellations, they then are like, okay, yeah, we kind of knew that. And they lay it out. And then he's the one that tells them about the whole seven symbol system. That, is a, that doesn't feel right. Yeah. Well, no, because he says, you think you figured out in 14 days what they could not in two years. Like, that's his actual line of dialogue. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. And we also don't know the exact time frame from when it goes from the meeting with Leon Rippey to <laughs> when they actually attempt to open the Stargate. It looks like, like it's right away. It looks like he goes right, out into the sure. hallway. It does. It's like it's like they do the briefing. He re- he figures out the seventh symbol, and then they immediately open the gate. Yeah, and you're right. If they had a little bit of time pass right there, maybe that would have f- felt like better. Maybe, maybe there clothes. is a version of it that has it. <laughs> yeah, change clothes. Like uh, you know, gets a haircut that isn't crappy, and maybe maybe it shows that time has passed. It was just a, it was just caught me off guard. I, I have to say, as far as military flat tops go, that one is pretty like top level. Like, th- how do you get a better, like, that is peak military flat top. Look, it's Kurt Russell. I'm not going to, like, say a lot of negative things about Kurt Russell. He's a fantastic actor. I've loved a lot of movies he's been in. That was not his best look. That's not even his best <laughs> flat top, if we want to be honest. Because wasn't he in... Right. Uh, Universal Soldier. Soldier? A fantastic flat top, yeah. Not Universal Soldier. That's... That's a different movie. You're thinking of Soldier. Top five. Maybe. Kurt Russell. No, I think Roland Emmerich just did Universal Soldier. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Roland Emmerich did Universal Soldier. Yes. Like, I'm I'm almost 99% certain that he he was originally cast as Guile for the Street Fighter movie. And then for some reason, they gave Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, an unordinate amount of creative freedom. And was like, I'm just going to cast myself instead. Because I'm not sure why an American Air Force whatever he is, is played by a Belgian man. <laughs> Still can't figure it out. I can't find anything specifically just about the uh, haircuts, but I did just post you guys a uh, top 10 best Kurt Russell hairstyles in movies list, if you care to peruse. Hold on. I am clicking it and bookmarking that for later. No. Fun fact about Soldier. I believe it takes place in the same universe as, is it Blade, Blade Runner? Runner? Yeah. It's part of the unofficial canon. Yeah. Yes. Because like one of the Blade Runner ships or whatever is in the junkyard and soldier. They also talk of like in the, I think in the opening montage, one of the battles he's in is also something that Roy Batty mentions when he's doing oh, his is little it? speech. Yeah. Nice. So in that top 10 list, number nine is him and Stargate. So I don't know how I feel about this top 10 list, but. Uh, so <laughs> well, I mean, it's a top 10 well. and it's a not only a number nine. It beat so up. Yeah, Snake I guess Plissken. I feel you. It, it, beat it really Snake should Plissken. be up there in like the top five for sure. <laughs> that how we're doing it. Uh, so are we, I know I just said some negative things. I still love the movie. I do feel like it's just a little bit too long, but I love the, love the movie. 
it's got its cracks, man. It's got its areas where it definitely uh, suffers for sure. It's not perfect. Nothing is. It's absolutely worth watching, though, I think. There's nothing wrong with a movie having flaws. I mean, no movie is perfect, no matter how you slice it. Uh, Yes, no movie is perfect. That includes Star Trek Insurrection, you filthy swine. I was thinking of Willy's Wonderland. (laughs) Uh, Back to the Future. It is the perfect movie. Back to the Future 2. You think Back to the Future is the perfect movie? Back to the Future is the perfect Uh, movie. Why are there Libyans in Riverside, California? Because they're after the uranium. trying to get Lib- Doc's where, uranium. Where is the uranium from? Doc got it from the Libyans. Where He's... did the Libyans get the uranium No, well, from? Doc was stealing it from somebody else who's unnamed for the Libyans. Plot We're hole. in the weeds. Oh. We're in the weeds. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's, it's a big plot hole. It's... <laughs> You're here to say that was the plot hole that put you over time the travel. edge in a movie about time, tra- time travel? You wave your hand at time travel. Does it matter? It doesn't matter when there's time travel. It just doesn't but matter. But the uranium, the uranium that you found from somewhere. Exactly. That's where it is. Not the flying train in a couple of movies? No? Okay. No. Yeah. All right. So there's two There's two directions I want to go. Uh, I'm going to let you pick which. So there's the fact that this movie was supposed to be a trilogy. And MGM didn't let it happen, and then we we instead got Independence Day as the what was originally supposed to be the sequel. And then there's the severe amount of retconning that SG One does right away to this film immediately <laughs> for to, some of it to make sense and to also like make it into something they can make a TV show about for the next fifteen yeah. years. Yeah, I'll let you pick. I'm happy with how it ended up working out. I, I don't need. I didn't need a sequel to the Stargate movie. I felt where the story stops is fine. It's it's a rounded off story. I, I you know, there's there was never anything in me watching it as a kid or looking back now saying, ooh, it would have been cool if we'd gotten another movie with Kurt Russell and you know he goes back to the planet or whatever. But mm. I really like the shows so much. I think that was a, a, a you know a way to a much better way to take that universe that they'd created, you know, this thing. Yeah, they they retconned the ever living hell out of it for a lot of stuff, but they they you're right, they turned it into a franchise ultimately that is uh beloved by many. Yeah. I think as a child, I probably would have preferred there to be an additional movie cuz SG1 doesn't come out until 1997. In fact, this is the 25th anniversary today. Is the twenty fifth oh, anniversary oh, snap. of uh, Stargate SG one, which is uh, spoilers. The reason why we decided to do it today, <laughs> yeah, not because it's just the day we normally <laughs> stream or anything. Yeah. Didn't just happen uh, to work up. Wasn't just a coinky dink. Look, no, you guys right. can just deal with it. I think that a lot of the retconning. I think you can address some of that with just like a lack of. I don't want to say like a lack of a show bible, but like a lack of. Roland Emmerich not having the reins. Yeah. I think that the idea of the raw being this weird blue gray, mm-hmm. you can hand wave that as, oh, well, you know, his his parasite took over another. His, he was in a different host at that time. Which may or may not be an Asgard spoilers. But, and then the episode, the Kel, that we just watched, <laughs> Hathor, she even mentions how she's like, oh, you know, I have to connect with the potential host race to make sure that you guys are compatible. So, I mean, uh, yeah, that's a retcon. I think a big budget Hollywood blockbuster movie would be a lot of fun for me as much as I love the Stargate television shows. It's really hard to beat a $150 million budgeted movie. Like it's just- Faux show. And Chris, if you and I know anything, it's that that first couple of seasons of Stargate did not have the greatest budget. Well, it also doesn't help that like if that movie were to be made today, there was talks about a reboot happening and- 
unfortunately those talks have stalled out, which may be for the better because if that movie was to be made today, I've, I've lamented and praised how James Gunn changed the way action movies were made by bringing out Guardians of the Galaxy. Like it would be a comedy and not so much in a way that like it's funny, but there would be like funny sequences that are played for laughs as opposed to in the show you have like comic relief but you also have like just pure unintentional comedy like mm. jack o'neill o'neill with two l's like every <laughs> single time he says it it's funny C- especially considering how this jack o'neill only had one l in his name <laughs> yeah 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 i in fact i even looked at his name tag i was like oh yeah yeah that's right he only has one l i think i, I enjoy the way it worked out but i think i would have liked another movie fair enough if what I've read is correct, which it might not be, it is the internet. I think the original plan was to do different mythologies with each film. Like he did Egypt, ancient Egypt, and then he would do Mayan or something or uh, some other South American religion and then do Norse or, or what have you, which of course they did touch on, I guess, eventually in SG-1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they touch on, upon several world religions that were ended up actually being ghouled. Exactly. And I think that was the original plan. And I think they kind of took cues from that. So Independence Day would have been some other, like these same aliens, but different quote unquote God from a different pantheon, which I think would have been pretty interesting. The one criticism, sorry, that I'd give SG-1 is that it spent so long. Like it, I feel like the gold based on ancient Egypt were there for too long as the antagonists. It was fun, yeah, but it just felt like, okay, does the show end when you defeat them? It didn't. It and I actually, and I actually I enjoy the last few seasons more than I think a lot of people do, but if they'd gotten to that point 3 or 4 seasons in and then switched to something else. Yeah, the Apophis art takes a while. It takes yeah, a while. <laughs> it's kind of it's like, yep, the Klingons are back. Yep. <laughs> there here they are, you know. So I think there's some good ideas there, but you know, they don't always translate to television and television, especially in the 90s, early 2000s. You have that kind of monster of the week. We need to reset every week so that anyone can watch and jump in and not have to have watched dozens of other episodes because it's not like streaming like it is today where, yeah, people are going to start in episode one because it's always available. You miss one week of a show. Like if you, it'd be like if, if uh, Stranger Things came out in the 90s, and you miss one one episode, you're just like, well, I guess I wait for reruns in a month or two. Like, this is, yeah. this, I'm done. You know, syndication. I'm out. Syndication. Yeah, synd- exactly. <laughs> I gotta wait for syndication. Yay. Oh, look, they're re-showing it at midnight on some channel I can kind of get if I move my antenna the right way. Overall, I think it's interesting the things they changed. Some of it just makes sense. Like, instead of having Abydos be on the other end of the known universe, it's like, it's the closest planet. That's why it's right there. Let's do this. Yeah. That's my favorite recon was them. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that they do this whole thing. It's like, it's a, yeah, another galaxy. Kalium galaxy. That's, com- yeah. that's retconned immediately first episode. Yeah. And it makes, it doesn't, because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I love that retcon. The gold being what they are instead of the grays. That's also a great retcon. It also, it opened up a lot more plot uh, devices. It saved them a bunch of money on costuming. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Helped a lot with the budget and costuming because, you know, they're just going to walk yeah. outside in Vancouver. Well, isn't it, how many episodes in, is it three or four episodes in of SG-1 before they mention like, why do all the forests look the same? And they're like, oh, well, we te- they were terraformed by the ghoul to look like this, yeah. like on purpose. Like they kind of like wash over the fact that they've been in the same forest filming on 18 different planets. <laughs> Television, 
uh, something that uh, I think anyone who listens to this podcast for almost any length of time knows is that something me and Chris really harp on is just the use of budget. And so a lot of these retcons or changes from Stargate the movie to SG-1 really do feel like kind of budget related. Like how do we tell this story on less than a million dollars an episode? How do we continue this story? So I enjoy all of them. I think it opens up a lot more. It was just a bit jarring watching the movie and be like, hmm, I don't think that's right. Oh yeah, Yeah. I don't think that's right either. Well, I think that like what you could do if you really truly wanted to do is just imagine that it's a different dimension Oh, sure. From that mirror. You remember that mirror where they, you touch the mirror. the mirror and you go into a different dimension? It's got the little controller device. Are you talking about the Matrix? No, no. <laughs> what are you talking about right now? No, are you trying to marvel this up? No. Like just no. In SG-1, in the first season, oh, they, go to a, they go to a planet. Sure. Spoilers. Oh, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And they touch that mirror and Daniel ends up in a different dimension. And so sure. I, you, you could say... That they're in a different dimension. That's why O'Neill is spelled with two L's instead of one. That's why his kid's name is Tyler instead of Charlie. Oh, wait. So, okay. So we're talking like multiverse Stargate yeah. theory here. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just that they changed his last name so they didn't have to give writing credit and royalties to the person who invented the character for the movie. You don't think <laughs> that's not. why they did it? No, of course no? not. You think it's... Okay. I've got a couple of <laughs> notes I'd like to Please. share. I never noticed this before until I watched this version. Tyler slash Charlie's Pillow has a bunch of Egyptian characters on it. Oh. I never noticed that until I saw this uh, version. Interesting. They use the same set as the show, the movie, which is really cool. Is it the actual same set, or did they have to recreate it for the the show? I can't remember. I believe it's the same set. Is it not just the set from War Games? Maybe. When they are looking at the moons, like when they go out and look at the, the pyramid at nighttime or whatever, all three moons are the exact same image that have been flipped and reversed. You mean just of of our, our moon? moon? Yeah, our it's, yeah. It, is, it is Luna. It's pretty lazy. It's Luna that's been that's like super lazy. it's been resized, flipped, and reversed a couple times. Those are my new notes for my original notes. I'm not going to go through the entire thing because this is several pages. Oh, really? I have seven. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's a couple things about this movie that are, that I will talk about for the notes. They flip so many switches in the control room. <laughs> like, I counted. It's like 15 seconds of flip switching. <laughs> yeah. There's frost on the... Uh, whenever you go through the gate, they don't do that anymore. I think that gets explained away at some point. Oh, yeah. We recalibrated uh, the signal. SG-1 so, because, yeah. yeah, they recalibrated for planetary drift. Yeah. There's a lot of really good sweaters in this movie. Like, a lot of really good sweaters. Straight up. <laughs> Lieutenant Kowalski wearing major ranks at 35 minutes. <laughs> and did you did you notice that was Kowalski? The guy that, that he meets at the very beginning, Daniel Jackson? Like when he first gets through the gate? No, no, no. When he gets approached to meet Catherine, that's Kowalski. Oh, at the car? Yeah. I did not realize that's Kowalski. Oh. No, 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 no. I did not realize that. I didn't realize he was also the attache when Colonel O'Neill shows up. Had no idea. Didn't realize that. To be fair, I don't really notice Kowalski much until we get on Abydos. Right. Because that's where he really shines. Kowalski just doing Kowalski stuff. It's amazing. Fake Kowalski. Yeah. (laughs) Eric Avari is in this movie. Kasuf, who is in every movie that involves the desert. (laughs) Very famous actor. I think he's one of the very few actors of Middle Eastern um, heritage or descent that is actually cast as a Middle Eastern character. Is India Middle East? Eric Kasuf? Yeah, he's Indian. Oh, is he? Oh, my mistake. (laughs) That's kind of the same. 
I don't know. Like, I don't know. Is India part of the Middle East? I don't think it is. I think it's its own. Uh. Well, so actually, Pakistan. Yeah. Do you consider oh, yeah. Pakistan he, part of the Middle East? He was born in India. Oh, okay, cool. I would consider Pakistan part of the Middle East. I just feel like India is technically so... Pakistan and India used to be the same country. Yeah, and it's okay. complicated. So he is he was born <laughs> into a Parsi Zoroastrian family, and Parsi mm-hmm. is Iranian. Okay, so maybe that's, a, maybe that's why. I was maybe of Middle Eastern descent at the very least. Yeah. yeah. So he's typecast. Yeah, but fair enough. At least it's not some guy in heavy makeup, you know, like a yeah, Klingon. That's, yeah. I think that's one of my favorite things about Stargate 2 is that our aliens, we're used to alien movies always being aliens, right, uh, of some kind. And we don't get that really in Stargate. And I actually enjoy that to an extent, you know, and it's explained, right? You know, Ra came to Earth, found humans, said... Sure, like you guys, you're easy to keep maintained and, you know, only have to do an oil change every, you know, 2,000 miles or whatever. And then he decides to take humans through the gate, have them work on Abydos, which is apparently the planet where they mine the stuff that the uh, Stargate's made out of. Um, I don't even remember where I was going with this. You like the fact that there's not real aliens. Oh, yeah. So there's not real aliens. Yeah, no. I, I like that it's it, it's humans. Ultimately, it's just all humans, right? The only alien thing we actually see in this whole... The most alien thing I would say we see in this whole movie are the, like, Barbara Streisand alien horses. Voiced by Peter Weller. <laughs> the Barbara Streisand alien horses. Am I wrong? No, no, you're right. I mean, aside from the guy that... <laughs> aside from the alien at the end, yeah. yeah. The literal alien. Yeah. The literal, yeah. Aside from the literal <laughs> alien that we only see for like five seconds. Yeah, if that. I have another note here. Is it strange that a black man plays a guy whose last name is Brown? Anytime I is see that strange? in a in a movie, it, it does. Well, is it weird? Or is it just, is that a common name for an African-American male? When you watch Men in Black uh-huh. and Tommy Lee Jones introduces himself as Will Smith, he says, I'm Agent White and this is Agent Black. Did you laugh? I don't remember that line. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> there you go. It's weird. It's weird that they would do that. I don't know. It's my opinion. I think they probably had the character name already and they just cast whoever was best for the role. Christopher? No, I have no idea. Or, or, or Hollywood. <laughs> just kidding. Or Hollywood being Hollywood in 94. A couple things about James Spader's performance. Like they were like, hey, pretend to be a nerd. And he was like, oh, so I just act like myself. I was just wearing glasses. <laughs> he just, he's prototypical nerd, long hair. Fairly unkempt, allergies. has allergies, wears glasses, sneezes a lot, whatever. Chicken man. <laughs> bok, bok, bok. When they come to, I don't even remember what the city's called anymore. Abadician, I think. We learned that. Yeah, Kale, as it turns out, Abydos has, that city has a name. Does it? Okay. It's like Abadician or something like that. So when they when they go to meet Kasuf and Share and whatever, I think the the funniest part of this movie is when no one can communicate with each other. Mm. Like in SG one, they kind of just get away from it after like the second, second or third episode where they're just like, they're just like, screw it. Everyone speaks English. We don't care. Everyone speaks English. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how (laughs) it works out. Everyone speaks English, but like he's trying to talk to these people. And I assume that I would do the same thing if I went to a completely foreign country, which I didn't understand the language. And I'd be like, I'm looking for a hieroglyphs and they say whatever they say in the language back to you. And you're just like, no hieroglyphs stupid and then he starts drawing on the ground and then everything gets you know they're like no 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 here bang my daughter <laughs> like I, can we, all right let's like, stop that's no no like, you did this that's, that's hysterical in context it's like all i want to know yeah. is like where do i find these symbols oh you 
I'm getting married. Okay, cool. I guess that's what's happening now. What? <laughs> Why did he offer Daniel Jackson his daughter? Is it really like, oh, this guy knows how to read and write. Let's just, he's smart. I mean, I assume at that point they still assumed that he had that they had some connection to the Gould yeah. overlords that they've been serving for millennia. Uh, every yeah. time they go through the Chapa Eye in SG One, for the first time, they're like, "Oh, the gods!" Oh. Even mm. though like they don't look anything like the the Gould, they don't have the weird helmets that kind of don't function anymore. They don't sound like there's fifty of them wearing heavy boots walking on metal. They don't have the staffs. They're just wearing olive drab. In a desert environment, real smart. <laughs> they don't look anything like the Gawauld, but we also don't get any background as to how, how often they visit the planet. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in Stargate Origins, uh, it's uh, 50 years. Because like Ra-, yeah. Ra shows up in uh, 1930. I guess it's 60. He shows up in like 1930 something. And then we don't see him again until 1994. Assuming so- he didn't show up in between then. Right, assuming yeah. they don't retcon Stargate Origins out of existence as soon as they possibly can, which, which they, they probably, probably should. should. But yeah, we don't get any of that, so we don't re- like it, for the viewer, the first time movie viewer, like you're left to kind of fill in the blanks for yourself, which I think is a good thing filmmakers do because that's how you build your headcanon. But they show up and he's wearing the the symbol of Raw, the necklace. So Kasuf is like, oh, yeah. these people yeah, this is an- who don't look anything like Ra or his henches don't speak the same language that we do that they taught us. And, you know, just don't understand our customs, even though that they're the ones who taught us these customs. We're just going to pretend that they're one of them and uh, bang my daughter, please. Like, <laughs> what are we doing, Kasuf? <laughs> what is going on? Well, you know, at least at least Daniel is a gentleman. Is he, though? Ultimately. No, actually, Daniel's kind of an asshole. That's actually when one of my notes. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so we're getting there. Uh, sp- yeah, specifically, uh, whenever he does show up uh, at the SGC for the first time, and they're showing him the uh, the hieroglyphs, you know, and, and having him translate stuff, and uh, he starts just completely shitting all over that other guy's work, the Spin City dude. Mm-hmm. Total dick move. Total dick move hilarious though it was really i mean it's really funny i mean at the end of the day he does stay behind with that girl like i get it you know and we know from the show that it it goes the way it goes but like he knew he knows this girl for like two three days right like i'm not sure how long they are they're there and then he's like yeah you know i don't need to go back i'm gonna stay with these people like what if it hadn't worked out what if like a week later it had gotten really weird and awkward and he was just yeah. like, oh, I got to leave. And there's like nowhere like, to go. Like she kisses it's, with well, her eyes I open mean, or At something. that point, <laughs> he knows he he knows the code home. He knows well, how they to buried it, didn't that they? Point. And he thought that they were going to dismantle it on the other end. He was, I mean, O'Neill does say, I'll see you around or, you know, whatever at the end. But there's a lot of commitment. It's all I'm saying. It's a lot of commitment in a very short amount of time. Well, at the beginning, Catherine does tell him, you've been evicted from your apartment. Mm. Your grants have run out. Mm-hmm. You've been laughed out of academia, essentially. Like, so, like you so know, he's taking advantage of their hospitality. I on mean, on a permanent basis, he's got nothing to lose. He doesn't really have anything to go back to, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, you know, I mean, and aside from Share, I mean, even if we take her completely out of the picture, I think Daniel is also staying there purely out of a scientific fascination, right? Oh, I mean, sure. he gets to firsthand learn 
a, a culture that no one has ever met before. You know, he he gets to learn about this language that is tied to an ancient dead language on earth that no one has spoken in thousands of years. And I mean, this guy is up to his neck in ancient history and, and learning about our culture through the through Abydos. Yeah. So I think Share and his relationship with her was just a nice little cherry on the top. I think he might have stayed regardless of her. Yeah. I mean it's it's a great civilization. It's a great place, you know, get a small scratch, die from it being infected. <laughs> I'm sure he'll have a blast in the mines. Yeah, with, with all those with all those diseases that he's gonna spread to the populace. Yeah. <laughs> let's I like that they I'm glad that they've never brought that up. I don't, does that ever come up in the show? Yeah. We watched Singularity most recently, and Mm -hmm. it's a point of contention. They're like, we could have done this. We could have brought a bacteria or a virus or a disease through the Stargate and killed all these people. But they never talk about it again. So Yeah, that's literally, yeah, full stop after that. Well, I mean, like, where do you go there from a literary perspective? Like, do you just, you can't stop the whole show. Just wear hazmat suits every time. Wear hazmat suits the whole time. (laughs) Talk about costuming. Yeah, we're gonna go to the desert. Put your hazmat suit on. Sorry, this is gonna <laughs> suck. We're gonna go mop four, not wear gloves. <laughs> so, Chris, you were talking about how Daniel Jackson in the movie we we see him in in the first couple of scenes, literally getting laughed out of academia. Yeah, like it, it's actually happening in front of us. And I I, I have here. So uh, this may be a little bit behind the scenes. Chris and I have actually done this podcast before. But it was actually way back when we were thinking about doing the SG-1 podcast, we watched the movie and then did a podcast that we never intended to release just as a practice thing. I still have my notes from that original podcast. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, that's what the notes I'm referring to for me. Yeah. Oh, are you? Okay, excellent. So I went back and looked at those and I'd forgotten that I'd put in this here, but during that scene, James Spader is literally the ancient aliens guy. (laughs) 100%. Aliens. He's literally saying, well, it wasn't the Egyptians of the fourth dynasty. <laughs> I've never been in that scenario, scenario, situation, whatever. I don't know how I would feel if I was giving a presentation and then everyone started laughing and then walked out of the room, save for one person, and then have the unmitigated gall to say, maybe there's a lunch they're going to. It's not me. Yeah, where's everyone at? I'm the not lunch? the problem. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, this is going great. Yeah. I'm killing it right now. Don't you idiots see? <laughs> wow. I'm just saying. He's like the, the, the stones. The stones on this dude. Like, just, <laughs> I'm just saying. I think my favorite scene of the entire movie is them at dinner with Abidosians. Oh, yeah. And them just like not eating and then eating. <laughs> yeah. And like just the whole bit, like this whole cultural thing where it's like, Maybe we have to eat it. What are they going to think? You know, we don't know anything about these people. Um, and I think that that's, that's one of my favorite things about SG-1 as well. And, and mm. the other targets is like, how do we conduct ourselves? Oh, they're trying to kidnap Catherine. Or not Catherine. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. The, the good one. It's, that, it's the thing I like about Star Trek. And I think SG-1 does it sometimes even better than Star Trek does, that whole first contact scenario. Well, it, it's great because it, SG... The SGC's first contact, SG-1 first contact, is buck wild. There are no rules, right? <laughs> like, with Star Trek, there's the whole prime directive, right? Yeah, there's set guidelines. There's a checklist. There's guidelines. Exactly. <laughs> SGC, SG-1 rolls up on a planet. Yeah. What up? Yeah, like, there's that one episode where Jack gets married, 
in like 15 minutes. He's like, oh man, this this cake is delicious. Oh yeah, this oh it's so good, and I'm feeling so good. Oh, and I'm, and I'm getting a private dance. Even better. Oh, you're taking me to your palate. Okay, sure. I think I'll just take a nap. He's like, I got this diplomacy thing knocked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is weird though. Like you say that they have no rules, but they have the one rule, which is none of you people are coming back with us. We're not here to help you. We're here to gain what we can and leave. Like, yeah. like SG-1's first contact policy, SGC's, I guess, the Stargate Command's first contact policy is probably the most American thing about the Stargate shows. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. like, yeah, we're here to scope it out for minerals. Oil geysers, interesting. We'll see you all later, you know, but yeah. no, no. Maybe we'll give some medicine. Maybe we won't. Like, eventually, they have, like, off-world bases. But at first, it's just like, oh, cool. That was cool, guys. Bye. There's yeah. Code of Honor. From from Star Trek Next Generation, which oh, is an no. infamous episode involving a planet with all the African stereotypes rolled into one. Yeah, yeah. There is a one. there is a similar Oof. episode of SG One where they mm-hmm. go to a planet where um, Shang Tsung apparently is Genghis Khan. Makes sense. It is almost as offensive. Probably even a little bit more offensive, but in some um, ways they definitely. show up and they're like, "Yeah, man, there's nothing really here." And then some kid is like, "Oh, you guys want drugs?" <laughs> and and then Jack's like, "I uh, could use some drugs." And then he's like, "We got some real powerful drugs." And then I think Daniel or Jack go, well, "We got some heavy stuff of our own, man." Like <laughs> it's so like it is. It's so they like, are in Colorado. It's so direct. They're very much like, "Oh yeah, man!" Like we came here to planet. You don't have laser pistols, deuces. <laughs> we'll see you guys later, man. Yeah, yeah. you don't have a way to for us to advance our civilization. We want nothing to do with. Can you, you shoot Hatak class attack ships out of the sky? No, I'm out. Bye. I'm out. <laughs> I like that. It's kind of the wild west of exploration. Right, like it's very different. Like comparing it to Star Trek, it is very different. Star Trek it does, for the most part, have a set of rigid rules they follow because that makes sense. That's what you would have. Yeah. But in Stargate Command, they're like, you know, what? we might get killed by aliens any day now. They do have spaceships. Go out there, figure out what you can. It doesn't collateral damage. Just don't put it in your report. It's not like I can go look. I'm not gonna go through that Stargate to go like double check. <laughs> you know, <laughs> unilateral. Just do what you want, O'Neill. You make the decisions. Well, in in Star Trek, you know, even like even going into a first contact situation or, you know, meeting a civilization or something like that, they generally have some idea of what's going on ahead of time, right? They've got they've got some some intel, right? Oh yeah. By and large, in Stargate, what we generally see them do is and we see them do this in the movie, is dial some address that they have found. Gate opens, they send probe through, probe sends back like some 15 FPS video of basically nothing, and they're like, looks good, let's hop on in. They're like, oh, there's oxygen? Sweet, let's go. How did they get to Abydos? Like, how is that the address that they dialed, right? Like, I I envisioned like an alternate scenario where they they dial the black hole planet, (laughs) right? (laughs) And Earth is just Dunsies. You know, yeah, immediately. Like, oh. like how, like, like just like a met, like getting to Abydos is like throwing a dart at a dartboard 
that's made up of billions of dartboards uh, and hoping that you don't hit uh, you don't hit anything that isn't the center like <laughs> like it's it's absolutely like i mean i know they had to do it for the movie blah, 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 blah. but like maybe there's some thrown away line or some cut like some cut scene where they're like yeah cuz they even say like this is the farthest we've ever gotten right but like that doesn't mean anything in the context once you learn how the stargate works because no. they said that we dialed dozens of addresses and we never get anywhere. So is there just someone who's like, they've got like the, like, it's like they're playing um, bingo, right? Like they've got the, the cage with just all the different it. symbols. And they're just like, yeah. all right, stop. Cool. This one looks like Orion. <laughs> Let's pluck Orion into the computer and see what happens. I think the Abydos address is on the cartouche. Yeah, yeah, the, the oh. Abydos address they get directly from right. the the tablet, the cartouche that That's was covering right. the gate. Like that, yeah. it was it was on there. Yeah, and they had the six symbols. It was the seventh. It was the home symbol for Earth that they couldn't they, figure. They out. somehow couldn't see that was below. Like those guys are. That idiots, was literally like on the gate. Yeah, the whole time. I also love how Daniel Jackson, another asshole move from Daniel Jackson during that scene, grabbing that Sharpie and oh, then yeah, just yeah. straight up writing like, on the yeah, CRT yeah, yeah, monitor. You, you, you can't yeah, do that anymore. You can't, like, you don't write on my screen. <laughs> yeah. What do you do? Sir, no, absolutely doing? not. Do you know how much this piece of military grade computer equipment costs? I worked at a call center many moons ago, the same one you worked at, Chris. And I, mm. I don't know if you worked there, Kel. No. No? Okay. No, You're one of the few. Did never work. Lucky there. you. Way back in the day, and they did have big CRT monitors, and people would, with like Expo, write notes on the screen, because we weren't allowed paper, and so they would write notes on their CRT screens about whatever call they were on to keep track of everything. I don't know why that reminded me of that in that scene, but it did. It made me very <laughs> sad. I had to pause the movie for a while. No. The trope of the everyman, the Colonel O'Neill, having common sense where Daniel Jackson doesn't and figuring things out ahead of time, like pointing out the symbol of Roz around his neck and that's why everything's going weird or pointing at different things and like, oh, I wonder why that is. It was a bit odd. Not that it was a bit odd because I think O'Neill continues to do that for the rest of forever, but it was just like, huh. And then Daniel Jackson's complete lack of embarrassment over anything. Like we called him a dweeb or we called him nerdy earlier. I think O'Neill calls him a dweeb, but I think in a stereotypical portrayal of a nerd, they're very self-conscious. They don't have good hygiene, all of this, but he doesn't have any of that. He just has no inhibitions about what he likes. He's like, I like this and goes for it. He like doesn't get haircuts and his glasses are always dirty. He's always cleaning them off and he's just like, oh, you're right. And just moves on. Like he doesn't have any sort of ego whatsoever. And I, I really, really like that about his character. And it just, it was weird because O'Neill being the non-scientist and pointing things out to him is very stereotypical and kind of tropey. But the way that Daniel Jackson reacts to it, I feel is kind of unique. Like their characters worked off each other in a very unique way. Kind of a spin on the, the typical egghead. You guys get embarrassed? Yeah, people get embarrassed. For being a nerd? You guys get embarrassed for being a nerd? Oh, no. no, no, no. <laughs> Not in 2022, oh, but uh, in 1994, yes. Yes, I did. I don't think I understood the concept of nerdism in 1994. Well, I was, yeah, in 1994, <laughs> when I was like, hey, guys, I just saw this movie about Stargates, and it was amazing. I was probably laughed at. Yeah, I know I was. I recall. Um, I mean, I don't think I ever cared if they laughed at me. <laughs> yes, Chris, that's why you're the cool one. The art of not giving a shit. It, it's mastered. I think that that's something that truly 
like, I don't want to use the word auteur because that's the wrong word, but like, that's what makes Daniel unique. But I think there's yeah. other, like we've seen other portrayals of that in other media, not just science fiction. What makes Daniel special is that he is a true believer. Like that's the reason why he doesn't get upset when Ferretti th- throws his suitcase full. Like, f- can we talk about the suitcase? Why is he bringing a tweed <laughs> suitcase into the desert? Anyways, they don't know it's a desert. The Stargate's in a structure. They don't know they're going into a desert. Okay, why is he still bringing a suitcase? Why didn't they give him a rucksack? They couldn't give him a backpack? They don't well, have he's those. Gotta protect he's got to protect the they're, books. They're very old books. Yeah. And? Sure. Delicate. They're del- he needs oh, the translation oh, so, materials. So the, super, the, the, the ones that are sitting in the sand? Yeah, totally. The super sophisticated radar, uh, radar slash radio system that they use is also probably stored in those rucksacks. <laughs> we got to protect the books as opposed to this multi-million dollar piece of equipment. No, those are definitely equipment. in Pelican case. I mean, he did, they, did they not have a tricorder in this movie? <laughs> right like he yeah held, there was a tricorder he's like Brown it's the same mural as the stargate yeah it was a good holds up there it was it quartz and then says and then i was like quartz that's weird and he's like it's the same mineral as the stargate and i'm like i don't quartz why where did we get quartz to i think they also had geiger counters at some point oh, of um, course why oh yeah i mean you so, would right like 100 percent. like oh yeah you can breathe the air for about six minutes because you'll <laughs> die from the radiation doesn't matter how much <laughs> oxygen is there nitrogen mix whatever they don't explain. This was something that bothers me about the the movie, and I think they they even fall for some of this during SG one too. But Ferretti or French Stewart brings up the whole point: why can't they just open the gate on the other side back on Earth, and then we just go back through it? And French Stewart's like, oh well, it's not. You, you can't do it. It doesn't work that way. You have to open it from this side. But they literally get data from a probe through the Stargate. Right. So they contradict themselves on whether or not the Stargate uses bi-directional communication within the own mo- within their movie. I disagree. Okay. Discuss. Mass versus light. Talking about radio waves, which is light. That's, so you're saying light photons. doesn't have mass? Photons don't have do, do photons not have mass? Not a significant amount of mass. I believe they do have like a small amount. I don't know enough about science. Light has no mass. There you go. Fair enough. So All radio right. waves versus you know, flesh. I think that's the difference. And I just made that up. So uh, I mean, we're rolling with it, <laughs> right? Like that sounds good. No, you're the expert. I obviously apparently, I'm the, I am the sci-fi wise guy. There is that one episode in which Jack O'Neill prevents the gate from closing because he sticks his arm in it. So mm. I wonder if like, if they've got like a cable, <laughs> maybe there's like a wire that's able to translate yeah, the like data. Cause when the they physical send media the is present. probe through, they just have, it's just yeah. got a tether attached to it. Maybe. It's going to get a 14-foot radius. <laughs> Depending on how far away the planet is, it's really yeah, yeah. between 10 to 13 feet. Exactly. <laughs> I, I have a thing about French Stewart. Uh, here we are. They couldn't get him for the show? I know! I'm, just, I'm going to give you his filmography. 1997, July 27th is when Stargate SG-1 premiered. This is French Stewart's filmography from 1994 to 1997. The Boys Are Back. The Poison Tasters. Leaving Las Vegas. Businessman number two. Space, Above and Beyond, Glory Days, Magic Island, Broken Arrow, I.R. Crewman, Mad TV, Carolyn in the City, and McHale's Navy. You guys couldn't get French Stewart? You, you couldn't pull him away from McHale's Navy? McHale's Navy, which has a 4.5 out of 10 rating on IMDb? Couldn't lock down that contract? Tom Arnold had that much juice in 1997 that he was like, no, I want Frenchie. He's mine. 
would he have replaced somebody or just been the occasional background actor? No, he was Ferretti for the pilot Freddy, episode. Man. They just couldn't like they just couldn't. Yeah, pull he, he him was back. recast. Uh, I mean, yeah, I know they they recast him for the pilot. I meant would they have kept him along? I know Kowalski. R.I.P. I and mean, we know what happened to him. <laughs> but I mean, with French Stewart, do you just leave him as that recurring background? Yeah. Oh, hey, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Put him in charge of SG two or three or something. Something like that. Yeah. Have him pop up here and there. Maybe he could have even been like uh, just you know someone in the command structure back Uh-oh. at SGC. Uh oh. Hold on. What do we? Uh oh. So. <laughs> so he plays Lieutenant Ferretti in Stargate 1994, and then he plays Doctor Andrew Koval. In Stargate Universe in 2011, <laughs> French Stewart has a one-episode guest star in Stargate Universe playing a completely different character. Uh, man, it's been so long since I've watched Stargate Universe, I've completely forgotten about that. I don't even know he was there. Like I, I probably, I mean, there's what, 15-year difference? 17-year difference? I just pro- probably didn't recognize him. Yeah. And he's an actor, Dang. you know, so I mean, he probably does. You know. <laughs> I was probably still held up on Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> My only issue with uh, French Stewart's character, Freddie, in this film, honestly, can we get Frenchie some sleeves? Can we get him some biceps? <laughs> Something. Wow. He needs either one because he has neither and one is required. Like, look, I'm French Stewart. I've got bigger arms than French Stewart. I'm not even pretending to be a guy in the army or Air Force or whatever. Like He's the only one waltzing around the whole movie in a tank top like he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. How much sunblock is he using? They didn't have any. Remember? Probably he none. lamented the fact that they couldn't bring in no sunblock. <laughs> Adding credence to my theory that they did not know they were going to a desert planet. They had no idea. Again, it is the wild west of planetary exploration. <laughs> as little research as governmentally possible. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Overall, as a pilot for the Stargate universe, not the show Stargate universe, but for the Stargate cinematic universe, because that's the terminology we now use. I think it knocks it out of the park. It's fantastic. It's really, really good. I like the way that the TV show picks up the pieces and it moves forward. Definitely worth the price of subscription if you could stream this anywhere that wasn't Cinemark. Cinemax. Cinemax. And here's the thing. So I was just going to initially start watching this like on my phone, you know, while I'm just like taking some notes, listening to my earphones while my wife's watching something on the television. But I start looking for where it's streaming, assuming I would find it on Netflix. Nope. Okay. Well, I assume I can get it on Amazon. Oh no, I have to sign up for some secondary add-on subscription. So for a seven day free trial, so I could see this. So this is this is not an easily streamable uh, flick at the moment, just in case you're wondering. And I, I have to wonder because uh, Anthony, you did mention something earlier about there was some there were some rumors about some sort of like a reboot or yes. some some bringing back of Stargate in some way, but that has stalled out. So the last I read about it, which was a news article from this year, Roland Emmerich did say that that was all on hold. It's If it does happen, it's after he makes the next Independence Day, whatever that is, some, you know, something we don't need. Well, it's, it's so weird for a, a movie like that to be like not, and I guess it is easily streamable if you sign up for this other service, but it's just like, I don't know, the fact that you can't even rent it though, like you can't rent it through like Google Play, you can't rent it through Amazon itself. I wonder if that has anything to do, like my immediate thought was like, okay, maybe they are getting ready to release something. And so they're locking down all like the rights and taking the streams off so that they can put them somewhere else. Who knows? Movie from the mid nineties, big distribution deal, big names attached to it or bigger names attached to it. Who knows? Well, as of right now, MGM is owned by Amazon. 
but we but we could watch it on Amazon. So we can watch it on Amazon. Yeah, interesting. Weird. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, uh, one thing I want to mention, and, and we we do this. We've, we've talked about it a couple times comparing the movie to the to the show. Yeah, and I'm gonna do it at least one more time here. But I think it's worth noting that two things really. The Colonel O'Neill that we have in the movie, you know, obviously they recast both uh, all all the characters really for the most part, except for actually two or three. Um, but uh, Daniel Jackson, Colonel O'Neill, obviously get recast. The Colonel O'Neill we have in the movie versus the TV show. Very different characters, in my opinion. Now, on the other hand, I th- I would say that the Daniel Jackson we get from the movie and the TV show, like I think Michael Shanks picked up where Dave, uh, where uh, James Spader left off and like really ran with it. Whereas I think Richard Dean Anderson went like a totally different direction. You know, I had that same thought about halfway through the movie and I was ready to make the exact same point. However, he does, <laughs> Kurt Russell gives a one-liner near the end of the film and does have more levity about himself. So I wonder if it's a completely different character or more just the aftermath process yeah, the my grief. grief, right? Like Got he it. is very much a man who blames himself, is grieving the loss of his son and the loss of his marriage because of that, because of his mistakes, and is ready to die on that planet for good old USA, right? So did the military send him on that mission because they're like, oh yeah, this dude's definitely suicidal? What is it? General, was it Woods or something? General West. 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 It started with a W. I got, I was close enough. General Westwoods is like, I picked you for this mission on purpose. Like, so I think he knows, like, I think they know his level of commitment well, yeah. to the cause. It might be more along the lines of like, he's the perfect choice because he's got nothing to lose. Same. Yeah. Right. Whereas like, not that he would go over there and intentionally blow himself up, but it's hard to send... Well, I, I mean, I say that uh, <laughs> United States military has been sending plenty of people to die for no reason. But Ooh. it's it's hard it's hard to send like um, I mean, colonel is a prestigious rank in the air force. Like you have to be in for a while, or you have to have done something very particular to get colonel. Because I think the next step up is general. Yeah, yeah, With, like brigadier general or whatever it's called. Yep. That's not only a like a commit. That's a command position, but it's also fairly political. And so yes. I think that it would be difficult to send some lower ranking, younger person, inexperienced. Yeah, yeah. Be like, hey, you know, you didn't spend twenty some odd years in special forces. You know, you're just some regular. I don't want to say regular kid, but you know, you're just like some guy who's been in for ten years. You got a family. You got a bunch of young kids. You got a wife. Everything's going great. We're gonna send you to another planet, and you're gonna command other people like yourself to you you might be sending them to their death i think it's easier to pick a burnout because that's what he is he's a burnout yeah. it's easier to pick someone who is for the most part i mean because he's i don't think he's retired or he's gone a wall just probably loa because he hasn't had a haircut in a while like, yeah i grew yeah, yeah. I, I like listeners who have watched our streams before you saw my hair get progressively longer over the course of a over a year, and it's not even as long as the uh, the rug he was wearing at the opening. So he hasn't had a haircut in a long, long, long time. So the fact that he got reactivated and sent back out there, it means that they were desperate to send somebody. They needed to send someone who they knew had no attachments, so sure. that if if something were to happen, you know. He'd follow through. His his marriage yeah. is already over. Like and, his family yeah. life has been completely yeah. destroyed. Of course you'd send him. That makes me feel like the movie has one more flaw. And that <laughs> O'Neill 
overcomes his lack of attachment, protects the people, but I feel like he does it too late. Like, I feel like that could have been a more gradual thing. Like, you have the one scene with him giving the kid a cigarette. Cigarette? Yeah, how have we not talked about this yet? By the way, <laughs> is, that is a scene that would not be filmed five years no. later you know like no. uh, yeah i no, can't believe I, they got away with that i think it'd still be made that he just would never light the cigarette oh sure yeah like he'd hand yeah. it to him and he'd smell it and go like yeah he does he just does. let him have a cigarette it's fantastic o'neill obviously has a soft spot for this kid yeah at this point in the movie and it's like really like that's how you're gonna be like yeah, sure. Here, well, he doesn't. Smoke. He doesn't <laughs> give him. He doesn't give him the cigarette at all. He yeah, hands him. He, the, he gives him. For it and no, he says yes. No, no, no. He gives him the lighter, and then he walks over and just snatches the cigarette out of the pack. Uh, and Jack's yeah. And Jack says nothing though. He yeah. does. He looks at. It, he just. He just kind of like lets him do he it. He just. He's completely on the ride with it. He. I mean, obviously, he's watching it for the lulls. Like he knows what's going to happen. Sure. He's just getting ready. I guess. But I mean, still, kind of. Uh, you know, more kind scenes, of another dick move. More scenes where he becomes more of a father <laughs> figure for this kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes. That's what yeah. I need. If we're gonna have a two-hour-long movie, you could have given me more of a character arc for O'Neill. So yeah, yeah, I agree with you a bit that Richard Dean Anderson went in a completely different direction. But I also think that by the end of the movie, maybe the character is just a very different. Is, is, is a different different. Person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair yeah. enough. I, I can agree with you on that, absolutely. Part yeah. of that is, I mean, I'll push back a little bit on that, Anthony, because- Of course you will. His whole thing was, you guys were going to come through, the, we were going to come through the gate, and then you all were going to leave, and I was going to stay behind. Well, now he can't- Yeah, they, he expected the, them to, it, the whole mission was supposed to take an hour. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, like, is it so much that he is he's developed as a character and gotten a soft spot for people, or he just doesn't want to be responsible for the death of thousands of people possibly like, thousands of people yeah I, I think like even the even the most burnt out nihilistic person would be like mm, genocide <laughs> also I, I have another note here when he starts the timer at six minutes <laughs> seven. Oh, seven minutes i'm sorry like i timed it it is almost equal like we get an extra 45 seconds from when that timer should have hit zero to when it actually gets aboard Raw's ships and explode. And they're jumping back and forth between people, so there could be yeah, some overlap. That could there. have been exactly. Yeah. I I told I well yeah. well done. No, but well I, I timed well editors. I, 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 as soon as it started, I was like, okay, <laughs> let's see how long this these last thirty <laughs> seconds last. And then yeah. like at, at the like at when it shows it in three minutes when he starts a fight with um, Anubis, I looked down and I was like, hmm. He's got three minutes. <laughs> doing all right. He's doing yeah. all right. But no, it should. It, I think it should have gone off like right before Daniel gets on the pad. So yeah, yeah. I think though that was possibly one of the cooler, like climactic blow up the bad guy scenes. Oh yeah, like kind of what a what a dope way oh, to yeah. to end the movie for it to go out on. Like the whole yeah. That, Oh, that was excellent. That was, mwah, love that. Emmerich knows how to make things explode. Yeah. So it, 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 the way, yeah, it, it's just in the way, I guess, like Daniel and, and O'Neill are both like, they're or, not Daniel, I'm sorry. O'Neill is looking at that bomb and he's just going, well, I have a plan. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> he has no idea that Daniel's coming back at that point, right? No. Yeah. He's just, he doesn't well, know he, why he, he, just, says, he just pops it in there. He even says like, wait for me. And then he's like, okay, cool. I'll try to disarm the bomb. And then it doesn't disarm. Can't, yeah. It won't disarm. Question. Which by the way, oh, go ahead. Oh, go no, ahead. no. I, I think you're probably about to ask the same thing. Was it broken because of raw or did the U S government go like, you can't back out of this. I, I wanting to know if it was just a day one bug. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was just a software flaw that the military uh, hadn't worked out before sending a nuke to another planet. Well, no, there was a hardware failure as well, right? He pulled the thing out of it. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. No, I, I, I. They explain it in the movie. I believe he basically, uh, at least they assume that the he says Rob the locked it messed or something it. like that. Oh, yeah, that they did something to keep him from being able to disarm. Fifty fifty, whether it was Raw yeah. or the U.S. government. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I can. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like in 1994, 100%. Oh, it was raw. Raw messed with the bomb. <laughs> 2004. I'm like, hmm. Like he gets back. I don't back. know. They're doing the debrief with West and um, uh, Colonel <laughs> Colonel Hammond, and he's like, uh, he's like, well, tell me, tell me about the, tell me about the, the, the you, you know, hey, you told us about the Abedonians. You told us about Daniel. You know, all blah 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 blah. So what what happened with raw and the bomb? And he's like, well. I tried to disarm it. It wouldn't disarm. It was weird. Raw did something with it. And then Wes just kind of was like, oh, wiping the sword away. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. It's definitely, it was it's definitely, definitely raw. They just redacted <laughs> some of this document right yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, Colonel O'Neill, you are never to speak of this ever again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, sends, sends the bomb up to Raw. It blows up in the dude's face. Big space kaboom. Boom. We even get like a nice like parabola. Oh, yeah. That very cool scene. Such a good word. Say it again. Parabola. Oh, very nice. I have one final note, and then I'm then I'm going to stop giving notes. W- when they walk up to the cartouche on Avidos and it's broken, the look on uh, Daniel's face and Jack's face, it is the exact same face that I have had with anyone when I've seen them drop their phone and break it. Like, <laughs> like they, they lean down to pick up their phone, and they're just like, oh, no, it's cracked. And I just, I just pulled the Jack. I'm like, it should have... Shouldn't have done that. Should have put, put it in yeah. your pocket. Darn it, Catherine. Why'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Kel, uh-huh. we're gonna we're gonna do a quick thirty second breakdown on Stargate Origins for you, so you don't have to watch it. Okay. Uh, no, he has to watch it. No, no, I'm gonna tell him. Uh, Catherine goes through the gate in 1930 something. What? Yes, they they meet up with Kasuf. That that breaks a lot. Oh of, no, it doesn't. Canon. Don't you worry. There's a Moroccan slash Frenchman. None of these kids, and there's also an Englishman, Trip from Stargate Enterprises in it. Okay. Everyone but Trip and Catherine die. I think Trip might actually die. I don't even remember. No, he doesn't. He, he lives. Trip is her father. He's yeah. got old man makeup on. Yeah. And so they walk up to that cartouche, and she like writes down the, the thing and then smashes the final symbol. <laughs> So it was, okay, so they're expl- wow. She yeah. smashes it and buries right. it so that they can't be followed as, when yeah. they escape, and then they get hit with mind erasing rays or some <laughs> bullcrap. I'm not joking. Yeah. Are you serious? At the end of the mu- movie, everyone who sacrificed themselves so that Catherine and her father could escape is not only dead, but they're not remembered. Yeah, Kasuf. They say like he's like, if you meet someone who's wearing my symbol, you will help them. And it's like it's the necklace. It's yeah. the raw mm-hmm. necklace. So, okay, yeah. it's it's not great. No. So was or was Origins only purpose then to try to tie like bring it full circle? Yeah, it was supposed to be a, like every season is a little bit different or what have you. It was just Stargate Origins, and then when the first season oh, just didn't right. do well, and it was just hot garbage. They called it Stargate Origins. Catherine released it on DVD, and then we reviewed it, and it is our worst. What's what's the term I'm looking for? It's not our worst episode, but it's our worst received episode okay cool 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 cool. that's not the right word either so so you're telling me on the pilot episode yes 
for a Stargate podcast. Yes. That the podcast episode that you guys did mm-hmm. on Stargate is one of the the worst, uh, lowest performing podcasts y'all have done today. That's the word I was looking for. It is literally our worst performing podcast. Perfect, list. perfect, perfect. Yes. Can't wait to uh, to really dive into oh, yeah. this. Excellent. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, no, we won't I have to. No, we won't have to because all we'll do is just put the episode from Sci-Fi Wise Guys on our feed. <laughs> we'll just do a, a, we'll do a special solo episode where it's just Kel listening to our podcast and going, oh, God. No, he it's, uh. he has to watch it because <laughs> it's on Amazon. You have to watch it. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to. We'll you have do to, a. You have to stream I, it. Honestly, I will probably I will probably watch it at some point. I just I did I had heard it was hot garbage and had have stayed away from it. Actually, I'm sorry. I have one final note. This is my final note. When Ross shows up, I just have I am a golden god. That's my own. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I have a couple of questions, and we'll wrap this up. Okay. I well I have I have one more note. Okay. <laughs> Please go ahead. Can we just quickly talk about how apparently Daniel Jackson is some sort of vending machine in the desert? This dude's just handing out candy bars left and right everywhere they go. I think that's common. They do give US service members chocolate and candy cuz okay, it's relatively enough. light, easy to carry and it's full of calories and sugar and all the essential vitamins. I was just surprised at like how many Fifth Avenue bars this dude yeah. was going through. You know through. what I was really surprised by? How that thing wasn't a melted mess. <laughs> yes, in in the notes, in the notes. How how is this not a soggy melted mess? I can tell you why 100% right now. Why? Cuz that wouldn't be a good product placement. <laughs> <laughs> So he whips that thing out and I'm like, there's no way that thing is solid. Bazinga. <laughs> Two questions. Kel, mm. who is Kelsey Grammer? Oh, I don't think Kel knows this bit. Do you know this bit, Kel? I don't know this bit. I do know that he is a magnificently bald-headed man who intimidates me by his mere presence. If you have to recast any character in this movie, replace them with Kelsey Grammer at any point in his career, who would you pick and why? Mm. I know what Anthony's going to pick because he's predictable. Any any character in this movie replaced with Kelsey Grammer. My instinct wants to say Charay, but that's a bad. <laughs> that's pretty bad. That's <laughs> that's pretty. It's bad. not the worst we've. No, had. I mean if 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 we were going to shove uh, Kelsey Grammer in there somewhere at any point in his career, I probably it wouldn't even be a big part. I would probably throw him in for like General West. He wouldn't even that's be a like a main one. cast that's member. That's a good one. I like that. I like that, Chris. I have two KGs. One would be, unfortunately, I'm I'm replacing Richard Kind, the guy from Spin City, who's mm. like, who translated this? And he's like, uh, me? <laughs> me? He might be my KG. My other one would be the guard that Daniel steals the newspaper from. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it nice. just, I could just, like, because yeah. 1997, Kelsey Grammer, I think, is still riding high on that Frasier money. So sure. just like oh, yeah. seeing him cameo, just a cameo it, part, yeah, this yeah. big science fiction action blockbuster. Be like, what, 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 hold on a second, was that Kelsey? Hey, rewind it! Like, <laughs> scream at the guy, the like the 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 reel to reel. Like, hey, go back, go back. My first instinct was actually to say Doctor Langford. Just have him there at the beginning, and you're like, oh, mm. Kelsey Grammer's going to be in this movie. No, he's not. <laughs> and then no, he just bounces out. No, <laughs> no, not at all. He's out. I know you think. I'm going to say raw, but I'm not. I think I actually do think like he won an award for that, by the way, for that portrayal. The dude only has like four acting credits and that was his second one. Dang. Yeah. But Anubis. Mm. The thing comes down. The helmet goes away. All cartoony. 1994 CGI. And then it's just freaking Kelsey Grammer there. Just Kelsey Grammer. He buffed up for the part. (laughs) 
Still a villain. And he just starts beating the crap out of Kurt Russell. Uh, Still a villain. Still a Oh, I, that's fair. That's fair. No, I think Dr. Langford's my villain. Although, I wish I'd thought of General West. That is, that's probably the, the that's right actually answer. That's a really good one. Chris, what's the other question I'm going to ask? All right, Kel. Who is your idiot of the movie? This is literally anybody. Yes. Anybody you believe is an idiot in this film. The biggest one. The biggest idiot in the movie. Oh man, this is pretty rough because there are some some strong moments. Of I'll give you a, a hint. It's not French Stewart. I want to be French. Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> it can. It can be whoever you want it to be. <laughs> yeah. It can, this is um. I mean, if if anyone is the, the 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 biggest idiot in this entire situation, honestly, if we're being honest, hands on the table, is the United States government. It's fair. Wow. They they have they're going about this so haphazardly in the completely wrong way. There's absolutely like this is bad protocol. I'm here for the movie. I'm here for all of it. But it's the US government. Okay. I can't argue with that. I, I feel I like anything that. I say is not gonna work out. Like I uh, I was gonna say that, oh, you know, maybe it's Kowalski for shooting half a magazine worth of bullets just to scare crowds of people who've never even heard of guns before. Like pop. Pop, maybe two at most. <laughs> Same effect. But he's like, nope, I got 20 rounds and I need to use at least 10 of them right now. Isn't there a part later in the movie where he's him like, and Fred are like, we're out of ammo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just tossing those things around. Because he's just like, oh, I need to pull the trigger? Oh, I'm going to do it. Maybe he didn't slide it over to Simi. Oh, like he had an he, you think it was an accident? So that makes him even a bigger <laughs> idiot. Like he doesn't, is a service member who just like doesn't have control of his weapon. Yeah, but we'll double down on that. That's my vote. That's my vote. After the U.S. government who trained him. So I guess, you know, still Cal. It all wins. Yeah. For me, it's got to be the death glider pilots that, <laughs> that, oh man. I'm pretty sure that the, 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 the Raw's, specialized military involved like that mainly consists of six maybe maybe seven grown men in pajamas and then a bunch of half naked children right yeah he's he one of the system lords right he's yeah. one of these one of the system lords he's got a huge army of seven people they i'm pretty sure they don't follow the geneva convention no they've so never heard of geneva i'm not sure why they would in, in in the scene in particular, I'm talking about Kowalski, Ferretti, any remaining members of, I, I guess this is SG-0. That's what I'm calling them. SG-0 nice. and, and, and the remainder, that. Abedonians, are like holed up and they flipped over these um, like carts and they're using them as barricades against laser cannons. <laughs> sure. Okay, Roland. I'm rolling with it. Let's go. And they're just, they're missing, but they do hit some and then somehow like the people may or die or get injured. I don't know. We don't really see it. But Kowalski is like, we got to do something. He's like, cool, I'll surrender. And these Death Glider pilots are like, let's land. Yeah. yeah. Let's get out of the unstoppable, undefeatable killing machines. It's called a Death Glider. Let's get out of it. And then let's and let's approach them slowly with our weapons drawn, yep. with our weapons of terror, not weapons of war. Because Ra is known for like taking prisoners. Yeah, like like if I had been like if I had been like a uh, Death Glider one DG one DG two would have been like uh do so Maverick should we um land the planes and surrender these fools? No, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm buzzing shoot the him, tower. Shoot him hard. I'm buzzing the tower and I'm blowing these dudes away on the, on the, on the sand. <laughs> Idiots. Idiots. Cause if they hadn't done that, if they had not done that, 
SGO would have died. Mm-hmm. The rebels would have died. I mean, yeah, Kasuf and the other homeboys would have shown up or whatever, but they still would have been in the air. They would have been able to see the crowd, massive group of people approaching them. How didn't they see it up to the last moment anyways? Like they were in the yeah. sky just moments before. They should have seen yeah. a huge mass of people moving yeah. across the well, desert. Well, you know, seven minutes, that's a long, seven minutes is a long time. No, they're the idiots, both of them. Maverick and Goose, they're morons. They shouldn't have done it. They get overwhelmed. They get lifted off the ground and they get killed. Idiots. Fair enough. Fair enough. One of the things I am really glad that SG-1 leaves behind is the, for the most part, I mean, it still shows up here a little bit, but uh, by and large, the uh, metal space furries costumes. One of the things I'm really upset about SG-1 not having is the uh, metal space furry costumes. What are you guys Uh, talking about? (laughs) What? <laughs> no, just the 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 Adam the heads the heads they wear. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I have it here in my note uh, inside the because uh, you know I, how I do my notes is I just kind of like summarize as I'm going along. Uh, inside the pyramid, the team sees more of the metal space furries. Mm, there you go. Okay. Why didn't Kowalski just go deeper in the pyramid where the uh, death gliders couldn't get to them? The door got shut. Oh, did it? The door was locked. Did I miss yeah, the door yeah. being shut while I was yeah, writing something? Okay. Two of the quote unquote Jaffa shoot. Like the thing and it and it falls. Oh, Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. All right. Sorry, Kowalski, that one's not on you. Everything else though. <laughs> Kel? Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Before we uh give our goodbyes, we're gonna give you the floor for a moment. Plug whatever you want to plug. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. I, I want to plug the new podcast. Chris and I have, have started this podcast. We, start, we started it a long time ago. It's finally coming to fruition, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Straight up, if you're listening to this episode and you enjoyed any of what we were talking about, you know, and, and how we both love but in, still are able to, uh, in, in a lighthearted way, criticize one of our favorite sci-fi programs. I mean, we do this for, for every single episode. We discuss every episode. We go through it. We summarize it. And we crack jokes. And we have a lot of fun. And that's why it's called Podcast SG Fun. And you're going to have fun. Everyone's having fun. Are you having fun, Anthony? You look like you're having fun. Yes. It's a lot of fun. And having had a sneak preview... Uh, of some of y'all's content. It is a lot of fun. Actually, I had to stop a few episodes in and go, oh, I have to go watch this show now. Like, I have to watch this show along with it. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Whatever podcast service you're listening to this podcast on, go look up Podcast SG Fun. It's there as of the release of this. And, you know, check them out. You can also follow them on Twitter at Podcast SG Fun. We're hoping to have several episodes, maybe at least the first five episodes, try to drop them all the same day. So give you the opportunity to kind of binge and catch up with us. And then it'll, I think, what are we thinking, Chris? More like once a week going forward or? I believe. Yeah. If for whatever reason we have to push it, we can push it to uh, bi-weekly. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, if you did like this podcast, also follow us. Give us suggestions for other things to watch. Send us your suggestions, criticisms, complaints, compliments, requests for clarification, sci-fiwiseguys at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at sci-fiwiseguys. DM us, just add us, doesn't matter. Uh, We're always looking for something new to watch. Uh, As long as it's available to stream and it's vaguely science fiction, we will get around to it. Stay healthy, stay hydrated, and uh, always bring sunscreen. Always bring sunscreen. That's good advice. Especially to Abydos. Especially to the <laughs> desert. Yeah. Leave the candy bars behind, maybe. Swap it with some sunscreen. Bye, guys. Bye.
Actually, I have, a, I have a funny story about that call center and their equipment, if you want to hear it. I'm down. I mean, as long as it's not going to get us in trouble. No, 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 no. So they used to have the old rollerball mice. You remember those things? Oh, yeah. I, I was on a phone call, and I, I was listening to this guy yap about his plate fee or whatever, and I took the ball out of the mouse because I was bored and I was fidgeting with my hands, and I noticed it was covered in, you know, gunk. Yeah. As ball mouse are apt to do. Yeah. Yes. And so I cleaned it off and like, I, I I was like, I wasn't even paying attention to what I was doing. And I looked up and my manager was staring at me and I got off the phone. And he's like, were you poking holes in that thing? I was like, no, I was cleaning it. Have you never noticed how dirty these things get? He was like, no. And so we went to his desk and I took the ball out of his mouse and it was, they're supposed to be gray. And his was like black. <laughs> and I was like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those things are disgusting. Get me some you gotta open wipes. that thing up every now and then. <laughs> but yeah, he was, I think he was gonna fire me for that. But oh, wow. Well, I mean, just, that's let's let's be honest. They were looking to fire anybody at any time. That's how call centers work. That's fair.